Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book, Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a SAGE publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. The discussion today will focus on threat modeling. Some of the questions driving the discussion are, what is threat modeling? What is its purpose? What have people and organizations been getting wrong about threat modeling? What is the right way of doing threat modeling? And finally, what is the future of threat modeling? Marcus Lira, lead solutions engineer at Halo Security, joins me in shedding light on this very important cybersecurity governance topic. Welcome, Marcus. Hi, Dr. Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making time. I know this is going to be an exciting session, and I know listeners will greatly appreciate your insights. So before we get into the details of threat modeling, let's talk about you. Please share with listeners some highlights of your professional journey. Absolutely. Um, in preparing for the podcast, I was doing uh, some research, and it, it appears that you and I have a similar background. Uh, we <laughs> both started in the, uh, it looks like in finance, uh, I think you have a degree in accounting. Yes, and, I uh, do. My, <laughs> and my degree is in finance with the emphasis in financial planning and taxation. And so the beginning uh, part of my career, I focus on financial planning uh, and, and uh, tax preparation and whatnot. And uh, about 10 years ago, I decided to pivot to cybersecurity. Uh, and it really happened with the transition of you know, cloud adoption and digital transformation in the finance world. And so this was shortly after you know, 2010, I began noticing that a lot of my clients were required to, or they were being asked by these finance institutions to, sub, to submit, you know, their credentials from a, another bank, another brokerage, an insurance provider, and they were aggregating this data on this one platform. And I started thinking to myself, I wonder what kind of security controls are in place because there's a lot of data being transferred uh, around these different institutions and different applications. And so that got my interest in cybersecurity. Um, and so, yeah, the rest is history. And I've been in the application security space now for a little, uh, about 10 years. That's great to hear. And Marcus, I'm glad you shared, you know, how you stumbled into this field, if I may. And so did I. 
And in fact, I want to take this opportunity of encouraging many listeners who may not be in this field are, and are thinking about getting into this field and wondering, do they have the right background to get in? My, my um, um, message to them is, if you are curious, if you are excited, if you are passionate, if you want to learn, if you're willing to adapt, uh, any field is great, including cybersecurity. So don't hesitate to pivot. Um, we don't have enough time to go into my my <laughs> story, so I'll save that for another occasion. But cybersecurity can benefit from an eclectic influence. People with different perspectives needs to jump in. I uh, did an episode with a very senior leader of a major financial institution. Mm-hmm. And he was emphatic about the importance of leaders from other functions getting into the security function. And he felt that they need to make the security function more attractive to draw great talent. So this is very consistent that people from different backgrounds, business and technical backgrounds are pursuing different activities within the cyber security domain. So anyhow, um, getting back to our discussion topic, threat modeling, Marcus, it might be a good idea to share with the listeners, provide them an overview of what threat modeling is, what it's, what's its purpose. Absolutely. Being in the insurance world, before I transition to uh, cybersecurity, um, Before you can assign a policy to an individual, you conduct what's called risk analysis. And you look at all this data and you start assessing the risk associated with issuing a policy to a particular individual or a business, what have you. And so during this process, they look at various risks. And it could be credit, it could be where the location of the business might be located, uh, where the location of, you know, for automobile insurance, where the location of the automobiles are located, how often someone is driving, right? And what they're doing is they're analyzing threats. And so with this experience, I started taking a look at the data that Halo Security provides, uh, which is the organization I work with. And I started noticing that we provide a lot of data, which with context is really threat intelligence. And so it was data around the attack surface. And that's when I started connecting the two. Risk analysis, the data that we provide from an attacker's point of view, it's really threat modeling. And this data can be utilized for threat modeling. So what is threat modeling at a high level? It's really analyzing risk to your assets. And during a threat modeling exercise, what you want to do is identify threats, identify any current security controls, any gaps, and at the end end of the day, assess what are we currently doing and is it efficient to protect our assets? And the asset can be customer data, it can be, you know, um, other variations. But that's what you're looking for. And at the end of the day, it's customer data. 
or it's just data in general, right? Data is the new oil and this century. The world is powered by data and data is being accumulated at a faster rate. That was a great explanation. To reiterate, when done well, threat modeling helps organizations identify where the risks are, the different sources of risks, and the types of assets that are vulnerable to the different forms of threats. Rigorous threat modeling will ensure that organizations engage in comprehensive asset discovery. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, recently issued a directive requiring federal enterprises, the civilian executive branch, perform automated and comprehensive asset discovery every seven days. The directive also requires federal enterprises to initiate vulnerability enumeration across all discovered assets every 14 days. So threat modeling is such an intrinsic part of information security governance, and it is so important that it's done well. However, my research finds that many organizations don't do it well. Some are pretty haphazard or chaotic about it. Some want to just focus on a few applications and are hasty about it. Your thoughts? Yeah, Dave, it's, you know, you can't make informed decisions about business without threat modeling. And so what that means, it, it really starts from the top level, from the executive level down. In order to create a culture of security, um, it has to come from leadership. And so if you don't understand the data flow of your systems, you can't make informed decisions. And you can't decide how best to defend and secure your customer data. And so what most organizations get wrong is that they believe threat modeling is going to slow the business down. And so what has happened is that we've dedicated more, more of the resources, and this is what's been communicated to me in my weekly, daily conversations with the you know CISOs, CTOs, uh, leadership personnel that their resources are spent on reactive approaches, right? Because that's easier. That's easier to communicate to the business. That's easier to communicate to the board of directors. Well, in case of a breach, we have this in place. And it's either going to contain or it's going to defend. But they're very slow in, a, in implementing a proactive approach, which would be less costly over time. And that's where threat modeling comes into play. It's a proactive approach. It's going to help you from a business perspective, from a leadership perspective, it's going to help the organization decrease costs over time. Because threat modeling is going to tell you where your gaps are. Right? It's going to identify those gaps. And it's going to help you better focus those resources and protecting and securing uh, those gaps. And so that's what most, or most people get wrong about threat modeling is it's time-consuming, it's cumbersome, uh, there's, it's so um, 
it's it's confusing because there's so many methodologies out there. There's pasta, there's dread, there's the Microsoft Stride model, right? Spoofing, tampering, uh, escalation of privileges, right? All these different methodologies. And so they just put their hands up and say, wow, this is too confusing. I, I don't know where to start. And let's just be you know, reactive. Let's just defend. And so I think that's where organizations get wrong is that we think it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very difficult to implement when in fact it is not. We threat model all the time. Um, Dr. Dave, you've threat model in your day-to-day -day without even realizing. I threat model my day-to-day -day without realizing. The example I give my clients is I just, have, I just had a newborn, right? She's actually one years old now. Um, but as soon as I brought my newborn, my newborn home, the first thing I did was threat model. <laughs> I started identifying all the possible threats from the doctors, uh, from, from the hospital to my home, right? I get into my car. What are the possible threats? Oh, the other driver's out there. So I got to drive defensively. Got to make sure my car seat placed correctly. My baby secured tightly, right? When it comes to the home, I got to make sure my window's have all the proper locks in place. My doors have all the proper locks in place and they're working as they're working functionally. Right? So we're always thinking of the possible threats to an asset. And that's really what the way organizations should view uh, threat modeling is well, let's start with what are we trying to protect? What is an what what do we, what do we consider an asset to the organization? And let's start from there. And let's start identifying the possible threats. So if you think of it from that perspective, it shouldn't be a very difficult task. Absolutely. What a wonderful example. When you talked about being a parent and trying to proactively gauge different types of threats to your little daughter, you essentially conveyed how caring and protective you are. It really boils down to truly care about securing the enterprise the various entities and the relevant assets. You talked about the different approaches to threat modeling. It could be attacker-centric, it could be asset-centric, and it could be software-centric. You also mentioned the different threat modeling methodologies, such as Stride, Pasta, and Dread. So there's a lot of guidance out there. But that can be overwhelming and create confusion regarding what is the right way to do threat modeling. Can you provide some clarity? I, I think the threat modeling manifesto said it best. And I think the right way of doing threat modeling is answering four questions. And this, this is applicable at every layer within an organization. And at every domain, whether it's accounting, whether it's development, whether it's IT, whether it's business, uh, finance, right? Is what are we currently working on? What can go wrong? What are we gonna do about it? And did we do a good enough job? And I think that is the best approach to threat modeling. It's starting with those four questions. 
And again, this is applicable to any layer at any phase within an organization. It does not have to be only applicable or in the eyes of development. So let's, let's think about threat modeling in this context. And I like to use a, an example. Think of the Capital One breach that happened in 2019. Now, the Capital One breach happened not within the Capital One network that they have control over. It happened in a cloud infrastructure where there was shared responsibility. And it happened because of an insider threat at the third party, which was the cloud infrastructure. And so a lot of the times organizations think, well, what are we doing? What are we working on? Well, we're working on you know, providing uh, information to our customers much faster. Okay, so we're going to transfer the infrastructure of that compute power and the data storage and what have you to, in this case, it was AWS. Right? What can go wrong? Well, what's going on in the industry and what's happened in my conversation, and I assume what happened with Capital One is that we're transferring risk, right? And the thing is, we're not transferring all the risk. We're transferring some of the risk. And that's why GCP, Google Cloud um, uh, Platform, AWS, and Azure all have a part of their policies, part of their T's and C's is the shared responsibility um, terms and conditions, right? And so what happened with Capital One with threat modeling could have come into play and it could have solved a, an issue that was identified was encryption, right? If Capital One had encrypted the data, not just in transit, but also at risk. Um, yes. Um, also at rest, right? If, if Capital One would have encrypted the data, not just in transit, but also at rest, then it would have been more difficult for that insider threat to create any value from that data, right? It would have been useless. And so um, that's where you can threat model against third parties. As we stated earlier, there's, there's many methodologies and each methodology has their own uh, methods of approaching threat modeling and that various steps. And the threat modeling manifestos, which is what I recommend to our clients and our prospects when you start thinking about implementing threat modeling is, let's simplify it because you really only need to answer four questions, right? And so that is, what are we working on? What can go wrong? What are we going to do about it? And did we do and did we do a good enough job? And an example that the author, one of the authors of the manifesto, Adam Schustak, uh, likes to say, and I think it's a great example, so I utilize it here, is uh, imagine that you have an errand to run and your phone is at 20% as far as you know charging and charge is at 20% and it's going to, you know, with battery life. 
And you have to run this errand. You have an update. It's a critical update that you have to run. And so you have, right? What are we working on? Well, you have this errand that you have to run. So you have to leave your house. Okay. But you have to make the decision. And here's where Threat Monitor comes in is do I leave my phone at home charging, download the security update, or do I take the phone with me because you know an accident might happen, I might need the phone for emergency reasons. That's a decision you have to make, right? So that's the what can go wrong. What are, right. we, going to, what are we going to do about it? Well, you have to make that decision, right? I can leave the phone here, I can take it with me. And then lastly, is, did we do a good enough job? So in this example, uh, the individual took the phone with him and said, well, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna take the phone with me in case of an emergency. I'm gonna wait to update the phone with the security, you know, with the uh, security update and until I get home. What's at risk? At risk is that maybe their data is exploited, uh, that maybe, you know, uh, some type of attack can happen that uh, because they're vulnerable. They don't have the security update, so they're vulnerable at the moment. But that's the risk they decided to accept, right? And so did they do a good enough job? Well, at the end of the night, they were able to update their phone. Uh, it wasn't compromised, and uh, they, were, you know, they were good to go. So, yes, they did a good enough job. And so, in short, what threat modeling is, again, in, in that example, is as far as it's just kind of simplifying it with what are we working on, what can go wrong, what are we going to do about it, and did we do a good enough job? Is address the risk, and now they had to answer whether they wanted to transfer that risk, accept that risk, are they mitigating that risk, or avoid the risk, which they can't. They have the phone. <laughs> so. Totally agree. Switching gears a little bit, it's great to know that now there are tools and platforms available that facilitate collaboration and are very intuitive and easy to use. They help pull together information from different places to one place quickly. There are opportunities to customize. And last but not the least, the reporting capabilities have improved significantly. As a practitioner, what are your thoughts about the future of threat modeling? The future of threat modeling is going to be um, it, it's going to be more accepted conceptually, right? Because again, we don't want to get bogged down by the the intricacies of threat modeling. Because as organizations have stated, it's too cumbersome. So it will be integrated within the business uh, as a concept in the way we do security, right? Think of DevOps, right? The big push was security, and that's how you get DevSecOps, right? Is you want to code with security in mind. And so that's the future threat modeling is you want to build, you want to move around your organization with security in mind, and that's where threat modeling is going to come into play. It's going to be embedded within the culture of every business and organization. As they, be, as they 
get more comfortable with the concept of threat modeling, which is really identifying threats to an asset and understanding what are we currently doing about it. It can be as simple as you know, threat modeling on a whiteboard. It doesn't have to be difficult. And again, it can be implemented at every layer of the organization. Very true, very true. So we are kind of coming to towards the end of our discussion. So I want to make sure that we've covered all the important aspects, and I believe we have, but for the benefit of the listener, listeners, I'll go through a few items that I have listed here. Uh, first and foremost, we talked about how important threat modeling is. And I love the way you put it. The threat modeling should be should not be made into a cumbersome, you know, technically complex process. It must be approached conceptually. It must be approached simply, asking fundamental reflective questions as to, you know, it's, it reminds me of an approach that an organization used for many, many years, a major organization. They would call it destroy your business approach, DYB. And the CEO would require the senior leadership during their quarterly meetings to make a presentation where each product unit head had to share scenarios that would kill that product line. And then they would also have to present their action plans on how to proactively avoid those situations. Now, this example that I shared, this best practice that I shared was in the context of any business. It wasn't particularly focused on cybersecurity, but the underlying principle is so applicable that you have to be able to constantly do this threat analysis, threat scenario analysis, and use that analysis to identify areas for improvement, areas for weaknesses, and then wherever appropriate, bring in the relevant tools. Often it's a combination of tools, processes, and people. Another thing that you, you mentioned, which is so important, that threat modeling sh should never be undertaken in a siloed manner. It should start, if you look at the software development life cycle, it should be embedded in the life cycle through all the phases, starting with the design. I love the way you explained DevOps security, that security by design, security should be built into the design and development of a system by default. And that's when an organization has started to really institutionalize threat modeling. You know, that's, that's where we need, to, we need to go. The good news is that many of the threat modeling tools that are available today are open source and they provide amazing capabilities. For instance, one is able to gather threat intelligence from the different 
threat libraries. They offer dashboards that shows data from threat intelligence and offer mitigation options. They can be, they can be scaled up to meet business needs. They integrate very well with the business infrastructure. And last but not the least, they offer very robust reporting capabilities. I would never recommend a particular platform over the other. That is never the intent of this episode. In fact, that undermines the credibility of this episode. But what I always like to do is in collaboration with my subject matter expert guest, uh, you know, today we have uh, Marcus. I'd like to offer guidance to organizations when they are trying to make this call. And that guidance is especially relevant because while you can hire third-party expertise for threat modeling, but considering how intrinsic, how centric threat modeling is to overall security governance, it is imperative that an organization develops in-house competency, in-house capability, as opposed to, oh, this is something we don't want to deal with. Let's get an outside vendor do it for us. That doesn't serve the purpose. And so I would strongly urge organizations to make that investment in people, in process, in technology, to develop threat modeling skills, capabilities in-house. But having said that, I'll pass it over to Marcus. Marcus, please share your final thoughts um, to and help us wrap up uh, the episode for today. Yeah, threat modeling is, you know, it, it is a concept. It's a process. It's applicable to every layer, every domain of an organization. Um, it, it should not be relied on purely on automation, purely on a software tool. There is a manual component to it. Um, you got, you know, in order to think of all the possible threats out there, um, you, you know, you got to take an, an attacker's perspective. Um, the next point I wanted to make is threat modeling for assets that you know of, it's easier. But for an organization, you got to think about the assets that you have forgotten that have been misconfigured over time, that have been poorly managed over time. And I think it's more important now than ever to threat model against those assets. And in order to really have an understanding of the attack surface, uh, you do need a attack surface uh, management tool. And the first part of the attack surface management tool or the foundational layer of that is discovery. And that's where reconnaissance comes into play. Right? Reconnaissance is the a first step of the cyber kill chain. We think of from an attacker's point of view. Um, we think of Nest, it's identify, right? You have to identify what's on your attack surface. That's the only way that you can defend against those assets. And so threat modeling, uh, the very first step is uh, reconnaissance, it's discovery. It's identify all the assets on the attack surface. And then, model against those assets, right? What possible threats. And maybe you avoid the threat. And by avoiding the threat, I mean, you take down the asset. If the asset does not serve a purpose, 
It does not need to be on the attack surface. And so you take that acid down, right? That is one of the best approaches is reducing the attack surface. This is gonna make lot, this is gonna make threat modeling much easier. When you start thinking of data flows, the world is now powered by APIs. And we're moving from a culture of everything's housed, everything is the infrastructure is in-house to everything is as a service. Software as a service, infrastructure as a service. And when you, so you gotta start thinking of the possible threats along those connections. Because now we're connecting to what we call trust boundaries, right? My data that comes in from a source that I have full control over, maybe we utilize the CRM for our sales force. And so now I have a third party that's providing me software as a service, and we're transferring our customer data to that CRM. Well, that, that's PII that's posted at a third party. So now I got a threat model against that third party. And so threat modeling, uh, it's not just for your organization, it should really be expanded to all the trusted boundaries you have along your network. And so, yes, I, I would, uh, so my takeaways are, again, uh, you know, utilize a, an attack surface management solution to identify all the assets on the attack surface. Second, reduce, or in this case, avoid risk by reducing the attack surface. And then lastly, apply threat modeling to the assets that remain on the attack surface. Uh, this process will become much easier. You're gonna be able to identify your gaps much faster, identify weaknesses, identify vulnerabilities. It all, it's all gonna be much faster once you have an understanding of what's out there. What are the attackers seeing from their perspective? Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time, Marcus. It's been a pleasure having you on this episode, and I look forward to many more interesting conversations. And I know listeners greatly appreciated your insights. Thank you again. A special thanks to Marcus Lira for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.